Welcome. So good to see all of you. Uh, my name is Penny Maxwell. Uh, my husband and I, as you saw, are the senior pastors. And uh, I love the way that we do things here at Freedom House. So if you are new, let me just tell you how we do things. All of our campuses throughout the city, we have live speakers and teachers. We are not a video venue. What that means is that you're going to get a live, fresh word from God, no matter which campus you are at. We don't just beam somebody in. We actually believe in having the smell of the sheep on our clothing. Don't you think a shepherd should smell like the sheep? Good. So we're going to have some fun today. Um, what I wanted to say real quick is um, Adam and Morgan talked about this newspaper that we did. And this past Thursday night, we had a family meeting. And during the family meeting, we went in depth about all of the finances of Freedom House. Uh, we talked about how much debt we have, how much is in the savings account. I, I think one of the questions was, what's the average salary for staff? We answered every single question. And not only in here will you see uh, some vision of where we're going and some things that we've done, you will also see on the back page, now it's not as in-depth as what we went over on Thursday because we had a Q&A session, so a lot of people were... Uh, able to ask their questions, but you will see what's come in year to date, uh, what's gone out year to date, and what's projected for the rest of the year. So that's important. Uh, make sure you pick that up because I think that if, if we are asking people to commit and go over and above, then we need to make sure that we are giving you good ground to put your seed into. That is very important. So that's a big deal to us. So make sure that you pick that up afterwards. Uh, loving this series, Faith Over Fear. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Lee last week? Awesome. Well, I get to be here today, and I love this topic because I really feel like this is hanging up a lot of Christians right now. You see, we know that we are supposed to live a life of faith, but what happens is fear comes knocking on the door, and we answer the door, and we look fear in the face, and instead of closing the door, sometimes we unintentionally invite fear to come on in and habitate. And some of us are living with fear today, and God wants us to get rid of fear, close the door, because if we open up the door, even if there's a little crack in the, the bottom, a foothold, the devil will come into our life and wreak havoc. So today, we are going to say no to fear. We're going to put fear in its place, and we are going to understand that as a Christian, God does not want us to have a spirit of fear. But understand this, okay? Each time that Jesus were to call somebody out in the Bible for their lack of faith, he was not doing it to beat them up, to make them feel bad about themselves, or so they could retreat and walk backwards and isolate. Jesus put his finger on the things that people needed to change and people's lack of faith. When he, when he looked at Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan, you know what most of us would have done? I'm leaving that church. The leader just called me out and I don't like it. I'm leaving that church. But you know, Peter understood that Jesus was trying to call him higher. And when we stop being so offendable at what the word of God has to say and we stop getting offended by everything, then what we do is we say, okay, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. And if there's any wicked way in me, if there's something that I need to adjust, if there's something that I need to course correct, show me what it is so I can go higher. How many of you want to go higher? How many of you are watching online? I see you from Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Michigan, Ohio, Texas. I see you guys. I know you want to go higher too, and that's what we're going to do today. We are all going higher. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going higher. So the times we are living in, I believe that using our faith isn't just a good suggestion, 
I believe it's imperative. Well, what is faith? The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I love the New King James. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. But if we're going to have faith, we have to know that Jesus hasn't just left us or abandoned us. We're not here on our own accord. We are here and we are covered. Psalms 18.6 says it like this. In my distress, this is David. I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice in his temple and my cry came before him even to his ears. You see, the reason that many of us get in trouble and we start to get over into fear is because anytime uncertainty is present, we have a choice to make. Do I want to believe God and trust in faith or do I want to trust in myself and get over into fear? You see, that's really what it is. If we boil it all down, what really there is, is there's an issue of control. God, I trust you and I believe you when you can show me what I'm supposed to do. Is that faith? God, I trust you and believe you. Even if I don't know the end result, I know I may not know the something, but I know the someone. And so many times we are so dependent on the something that we have lost relationship with the someone. And so we get over into fear and we're not trusting God. We're trusting in if our situation goes the way we want it to go. We cannot control what happens around us, but you know what we can control? What happens in us? The thing we can control, we don't. And the thing we can't control, we try to. What we do have control over is what we allow in. And sometimes our eye gate is not what it should be. We have that open and the gate should be closed. And sometimes we leave the gate open. And things come in. It could be things we see, things we hear. But God wants us today to arrest that because a lot of the fear that we are dealing with is actually irrational. If you cannot control it, then what good does it do for you to worry about it? Do you understand? It's irrational. What do I mean by irrational fear? Irrational fear shows up in things like this. Anxiety. Panic attacks and worry crippling us. It shows up in depression where we can't lift our head up or we're doing everything we we can just to try to get through the day. It shows up in OCD. If I can just control everything about my environment, and if I can just make everything like this, then I feel some sort of peace, but it's a false sense of peace. Perfectionism. If everything goes just the way I need it to go and things don't deviate, have a child and it'll blow that right out of the water. (laughs) They never do what you want when you want them to. Rigidity. It's when we get real rigid about our life and our schedules. And, and if something is not planned and, we, and it's thrown in there, we, we can't function. Because see, I had my schedule planned six months out and I can't deviate from anything. Because see, my safety and my security comes from making sure my schedule is tight. Anytime we try to control something, It's rooted in fear. Our job is not meant to control anything. Our job is meant to trust in the Lord. As a matter of fact, Penn State did a research study, and what they concluded is 92% of the things that you and I fear never even happen. So you know what that means to me? 
It means we spent a lot of time that we wasted on things that we could never ever change. And the things that we do have the capacity to change got undone. 92%. Listen, you may not know what your future holds, but I know a God who holds your future. And you may feel like things are uncertain, but you serve a very certain God who has not abandoned you. He has not left you. Deuteronomy 31.8 said, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. In Matthew 6 Starting in 25, it says this. It says, therefore, now remember that because I'm going to come back to that. So in essence, what precedes what Jesus is saying right here. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? I am five foot five. Me worrying, wish I was five foot seven like my daughter, one daughter, or five foot eight like the other. It doesn't matter how much I worry. It's not changing. But we spend so much time. I can't grow an inch by worrying. But yet we do it. Because what worry is, is reverse prayers. It's rehearsing and confessing the wrong thing. And when we do that, we get out of where God can cover and protect us because we need to do a trust fall. And we start relying on our own intuition. And the Lord says, if I take care of the birds, why are you so worried? I mean, go and gather what you need to gather. I'm not saying be irresponsible and do nothing. Go gather what you need to gather. But, but, if I can take care of them who don't have a spirit and a soul, why do you think I can't handle you? As a matter of fact, the Lord says he knows the number of hairs on our head. Well, I mean, those of us that have it, right? I mean, he knows the number of hairs that were on your head. And in Psalms, it says that when we cry, God takes our tears and collects them. So why in the world do we live in this fear and anxiety and panic? It's because of what we're taking in. We're constantly taking in all the, the news and the drama and this and that. And I'm not saying don't be aware of what's going on. By no means am I suggesting that you be an ostrich with your head stuck in the sand and unaware. But the reason that we are aware is so we know what armor to put on so we can suit up for battle, so we can go and fight the battle. We can be victors in the battle. It's not so we can cower back in fear. The reason people go to a doctor to get a diagnosis is not so they can go, okay, great, I accept this cancer. No, it's so you fight it. So let's understand what is going on right now is not meant to get us into fear. It's meant so we, not, we have diagnosed what is going on. Now what do we do? We get up off our blessed assurance and we go fight the battle that's in front of us, right? So if we can't do anything by worrying and we can do everything by praying, why aren't we doing that? Well, because whatever gets your attention becomes your God. 
Whatever gets our attention becomes our God. And we are looking, all of us are designed for security. All of us have an innate sense to be secure. That's why when you throw somebody in the water, they swim up to the top. That is in us. That's how God designed us. The problem is, is when we are looking for security in the wrong thing. The security that you need will never come from an outside source. But so many times, because we're not trusting in the Lord, we are trusting in things we feel like we can manipulate and control, like our 401k. I have peace if my 401k has enough in it. I have peace if I know I'm taking all my vitamin supplements and, and you know, because I'm just, you know, so afraid that something's going to happen. So I'm taking this and doing this and doing, and we're doing it out of fear. There's nothing wrong with a 401k. There's nothing wrong with taking your supplements. As long as those do not become our little demigods. Well, as long as, long as I graduate at the top of my class, that will give me a sense of security. I'll feel safe then. Or as long as I can get on Google and ask Google anytime I have a question, because see, I need information, and information makes me feel safe. As long as I can get that information, I need that information. Or being a parent, and as long as I, you know, I can try to control every environment that my kids will be in. I don't want them to hear this. I don't want them to do this. I don't want them to see that at all. I'm so afraid. We're trying to control everything instead of saying, God, I don't know everything my children will see or hear today, but I trust whatever they do see or hear that they will understand that you are bigger than anything that is in this world. But we are so right now in fear and we're not doing things out of being responsible or good. We're doing it because we're afraid. We stand in the mirror and we're so focused on our body fat percentage. I gotta go to the gym to do this and do that. And again, there's nothing wrong with going to the gym. There's nothing wrong with knowing your body fat percentage. But if you're doing it because that's where your security lies is in your appearance or in, you know, if, if I can control all this, that's where eating disorders come from. It's not about the food. Alcoholism is not about the alcohol. Sex addiction is not about the sex. Do you guys understand that? It's about feeling out of control and needing desperately to feel some sort of control so I will reach for anything I can to make that, that fear of, of not being in control go away. You see, here's the problem. The problem is, is we keep repeating bad behaviors. Why do we repeat bad behaviors? Every bad behavior that you engage in, you can just think through, every bad behavior that you or I engage in, there is a quote unquote perceived payoff. What does alcohol do? It numbs me so I don't have to think about all that's going on perceived payoff. What does food do? Food takes me to another place. That fried chicken and that macaroni and cheese gives me some comfort, comfort food. What is jumping from relationship to relationship? Sex, sex, sex partner. Because, you know, it, it gives me something. I feel like I'm missing, I'm missing something. It gives me that. Until we realize that that initial high wears off and then we are left worse than we were before. You see, what you gotta do is you gotta go back and trace what the perceived payout is. When we're sitting on the the computer late at night and nobody else is around and we get on that website that we shouldn't be on, but we're feeling, we're feeling this draw to do that because there's an addictive behavior where we just, need, we just need a view. We need a view and then the view's not enough. Then we start acting things out. 
understand that every bad behavior that you and I repeat, there's a perceived payout. Gossip. You know why people gossip? Because it puts somebody else down and it makes them feel high. Anything we do that is not a godly thing, go back to the source and figure out what is my perceived payoff here? Because what we find out is it's actually not a payoff at all. It's a distraction technique that the devil uses to keep you from getting the healing that you need. I see people go around with hand sanitizer like crazy. Listen, if you're gonna get something, you'd have gotten it by now, enough. (laughs) It's becoming an obsessive behavior, looking for control, control, control. Rigidity, if I can just control everything my routine, my schedule. And then before you know it, we're serving a false God. You know, I said before that word, therefore, because Jesus said, therefore, and he went in to talking about how he's taking care of the birds and everything else and that we need to just relax. But what is one verse before that? Jesus says something, and then he says, therefore. What is the issue? Jesus is saying, this is the issue. Matthew 6, 24, back one verse. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, what does that word mammon mean? It's actually an Aramaic root word, and it literally translates the riches a person trusts in. Riches, money, possessions, property. Mammon represents the world's system. Mammon represents the way the world does things. And what Jesus is saying is you either trust me and use your faith or you trust in the world system and you will be run by fear. That is exactly why, let's take this back. This has a financial emphasis on it, but it really means anything that the world system implies. But let's just take this back, this word mammon. Think about it like this. If you're living in Bible times, and we can apply this today, but I wanna give you a clear picture. Say, say I'm a farmer because everybody was. They had animals and they had crops. And I had my cow, Bessie, right? Bessie's a good old cow. Well, Bessie, you know, my money looks like how many cows Bessie can have. Because my portfolio is based on how much crops and how many cows Bessie can produce. So what the Bible says is Bessie has a cow, her first calf. That first calf goes back to the Lord. Now, The farmer could say, that doesn't make any sense because I need my portfolio full. Why would I give Bessie to the Lord when I could keep Bessie in the field and I could have more? The principle of what God is trying to establish is, listen, I know that if you can give the first calf from Bessie, then you're gonna trust me for all the rest that are to follow. The problem is, is what happens is Bessie has a calf and now all of a sudden we're going, man, I've got all these calves now in the field. Look how good I am. Look how wonderful I am. That's what we do with our 401ks when we get in and we check our stock portfolios. And God's like, wait a second. The one you have in the field wasn't supposed to be yours. This is the mindset that we're trying to break because what God is saying is if you cannot trust me, it will show up in every area of your life. And you know what? A real easy way to look is our finances. We may be able to hide other areas of our life of whether we're trusting God for our marriage or trusting God with our children or trusting God in other areas. The great thing about time and finances is neither one of those you can hide. That's why God says the first of your week, 
give it to me. That's what we're doing today. That's why God says the first of your, your increase, give it to me. Very easy things for God to show us and point to us that are measurable because some things we don't know until the fruit starts to be produced and then we realize we've got some worms in our apples. No worms in our apples today. We don't wanna serve mammon, we wanna serve the Lord. Here's another big area where I see people starting to, to get into mammon is they start to serve God with their intellect. I gotta know more than everybody. I gotta figure everything out. Everything is based upon my brain capacity. Can I just tell you, if you're one of those people that has to think through 50 things before you ever make a move, you're gonna have to readjust that. That doesn't line up with kingdom. That is something you learned to keep yourself safe so nobody would pull one over on you so you gotta think through everything, gotta look through everything. I'm so afraid somebody's gonna pull one over on me. That's what we do. But Philippians 4, 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I was just talking about the intellectual side of things, and I'm gonna speak to our men on this for a little bit, and I'm gonna talk to our women as well. But men tend to, to be a little bit more, um, have to think through everything. Men are more reserved um, and a little more pulled back internally, which is why we really encourage our men to get connected and do things because women, it's a lot easier for women to connect. Men are more like, I don't know if I'm gonna trust him. I don't know, like checking everything out, right? And it's not wrong to do that in the right environment. Let me give you an example. So, Many of you have heard my story. You know what I grew up under, okay? When I grew up, my father was an alcoholic, abusive man, had five wives and ended up dying of alcoholism. My mother, narcissistic, physically and emotionally very abusive. My stepfather was a nice man, but he was so busy trying to make money and just keep my mother quiet that he was never home, so he was never really there. He was never the protector. Then we've got, you know, my grandfather that sexually abused me for my entire childhood, so he was not a protector. He didn't look after me. And then his wife, my grandmother, who was furious when all this came out and come to find out it was all these other children as well. And now I was accused of busting up the family. So there you are talking five adults that were supposed to cover me, protect me, and look out for me. And not one of them did. So as a young girl growing up in that environment, what did I do? I learned to be vigilant. I can read a situation, read a person, determine safe, 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 not safe, 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 not safe. Know where the exits are. And if I'm honest, it wasn't just vigilance, it's hypervigilance. As a kid, that served me well because I didn't know enough in my relationship with the Lord to understand that he was my protector. So here I am, this child, and I grew up looking out for myself because that was all there was. But now as a 51-year-old woman, the things that I learned as a eight-year-old no longer serve me. Now I have to say, God, I trust you to be my protector. Now here's the thing. There is nothing wrong with your body coping. God made our bodies to cope. But 
When we know to do better, we must do better. So I coped as a child because I knew no better. My body automatically responded to try and keep me safe. But now as an adult, it's my responsibility to look at those things that do not line up with the word of God and give it over to him. Many of the men that are in here today, you have grown up in situations, maybe your father wasn't there, maybe there was a tenderness that you missed, whatever the case, it is hard at times for men to acknowledge when things are going on in their world. All of those things that developed as we were growing up, listen, control is nothing but a coping mechanism. When we try to be in control of everything, listen, coping, coping with a situation is not the same as using your faith. If I'm coping, you know what I'm doing? I'm surviving. Using your faith is thriving. There is a difference. Hiding is not healing, and a healthy person is not a hidden person. Genesis 3.10, Adam and Eve are in the garden. They had been walking with the Lord. Adam and Eve get into trouble. They sin. And what do Adam and Eve start to do? They hide. They hide. They pull back and they hide. Why? Genesis 3.10, I was afraid. I was in fear. Why? Because I was naked, because I've been exposed. Therefore, I hid. A hidden person is not a healthy person. And I'm not saying that to beat you up. What I am saying that for is so we can help you take the fig leaves off here at Freedom House. Many of you, you might be watching online because that's your way of hiding. God wants to call you higher and to get into relationship. And you know why relationships are messy? Because we're all like porcupines. We have quills and we stick each other. But that's what relationship is all about. It's saying, hey, you hurt me and I wanna have this conversation. And you know what? When we resolve our hurts and our pains with each other, we go next level. But we've been taught to run and hide instead of going to the Father and saying, God, I messed up. God, I blew it. I'm not going to hide and pull back. I'm going to give it to you. People that come in late to church so nobody will talk to them and then they turn around and leave so nobody will talk to them. When we are hiding, there is a reason why. And we've got to figure out why. Fear will always cause you to hide, fear of being exposed. But the devil always develops his film when it's dark. You can't develop a negative without darkness. And when the light comes in, it destroys the negatives. So look at it in the proper way. Psalm 73, 26 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Now listen, I just told on myself and talked about things that I wrestle with. And I wish I could tell you that I never, ever had to, to wrestle and, and that I, I always trust God in every situation and that there isn't still the natural propensity to protect, to self-protect. That wouldn't be true. But enough talking about me. Let's talk about Pastor Troy's problems. Love you, baby. So you guys, I know many of you have probably read his book, but he's struggled with fear and anxiety. It showed up in panic attacks because he would just start ruminating in his mind. Things that wouldn't even happen, but he just started getting panicked. And the first one happened, it was in the early days of the church. And I remember just saying, hey, you need to take a look at this. And he's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine like most of you men do. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Getting you to the doctor is like, dear Lord. 
And I was like, hey, you need to take a look at this. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Finally get him into the doctor. The doctor gives him a medication for, you know, if he starts to feel like a panic attack is coming, that it'll curb it. Because when you are in a a position like we are, where you're on the platform a lot, and at that time we had four services on a weekend. Well, no, not, not yet. That happened later. At that time, I think we had two services on the weekend, and we had just bought this land. And he couldn't get up and speak one Sunday, so I had to do it for him. And I didn't have a message planned. And I was like, listen, you not dealing with this is not just affecting you, buddy. You need to go get your stuff worked out because you're affecting me. And I can't do your job and my job, so get it straight. And he was like, no, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Everything's good. He just wasn't acknowledging. He was hiding. So what did I do? I was keeping track because I'm a good wife and I know I'm called to be a helper and he would not acknowledge what he was feeling. And so what I would do is I would go dump his pill bottle out and I would count. I knew when he got it filled and I wanted to see if he was having to take any of it because he kept going, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm good. I'm not having, and I'm like, okay, well, you're not having one because you're having to do all this, which means you're not going to the root of it. You can keep picking fruit all day long, but unless you chop something down at the root, the apples are going to keep popping up. So I said, you, you, need to, you need to get some help with this. No, I'm good. I'm good. So what did I do? I called and told on him. <laughs> I called our board. I called our pastors. Uh, and I said, you need to talk with Troy because he's not acknowledging this. And they sat him down and they said, Troy, man, what's going on? And he He was like, I I don't know, I can't. And they said, listen, we've all dealt with panic. He was like, you have? And at this time, this was years ago, our board was like people that consult for presidents. I'm talking some of the top leaders in the country, y'all. I could name drop, I am not gonna do it. But I'm just saying, they are leaders of leaders of leaders. And they're like, Troy, we've all dealt with this. And he was like, you have? And then all of a sudden, he realized he could still be a man and deal with an issue. As a matter of fact, what made him more of a man was acknowledging his issue. And Pastor Troy got the help that he needed, and he still has accountability for this. One of the things he did was he wrote a book, and it's out there. It's called The Panic Room. But there's not much more accountability than telling your entire church the journey that you walk through and asking your wife to write two chapters of it. I was like, oh, no, baby, because I ain't going to make you look good. You do not want me. Mm-mm. No, you put me through Hades, boy. I'm going to uncover. He's like, no, no, I want you to. I'm like, no, you don't. He's like, babe, people need to know when they don't get the healing they need, it doesn't just affect them. It robs all of us of the opportunity to grow. Probably my favorite story in the Bible is the man with the withered hand. Now, because he had a withered hand, he was deformed. He was not allowed in the synagogue. And it was a Sunday, or back then it would have been a Saturday, a Jewish culture. It was a Saturday, which was the first day of their week. And he shows up in the synagogue. And because it's a Saturday, they were not allowed to work. You couldn't do anything. And so we see this encounter. It says, now it happened on another Sabbath. Not supposed to work. Also, that he entered the synagogue and taught. That's Jesus. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. Because they knew the law, the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether Jesus would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation. Because they all knew the man had a withered hand. It was known in the community. But he knew their thoughts and he said to the man with the withered hands, the withered hand, arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. And then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy? And when he had looked around at them all, He said to the man, listen to this, listen to what Jesus says. He said to the man, 
stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Here's what I want you to understand today. If we want to be made whole, we want Jesus to make us whole. We need to do exactly what this man did. The first thing this man did was he was in church despite his condition. Be in God's house despite what you are going through. Be here, show up, bring your withered hand here. There is healing in the house. Never feel like you have done too much wrong to ever keep you out of God's house. Get into God's house, be here. And then Jesus says to him, rise up. In other words, you don't get to stay a victim. You've gotta rise up. I'm not gonna let you sit there withered. Rise up. And then Jesus says this to him, it's so incredible. Because Jesus asks him if he wants to be made well. You see, he knew he had to hide coming on into church because he wasn't supposed to be there by the standard of the day. And everybody knew his history, everybody knew his past, and he came in hiding. But Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? The Bible says that everyone waited to see what Jesus was gonna do because everybody knew his condition. Here's the thing you need to understand. You may think you're hiding things, but people know they're just waiting for you to acknowledge it. We cannot walk around a hidden life. And then Jesus says this to him, says, stretch it out. Do you know what most of us do in church? The thing that Jesus said here is profound and most of us has, have overlooked this. Jesus did not look at the man and say, stretch out your withered hand. What did he say? Stretch out your hand. In other words, you get to choose what you put forward. You can stay hidden and withered or you can do what a lot of church people do is, you know what, I'm a leader. You know what, I'm a husband, I'm a father. I, I can't let people see my, my witheredness. So when Jesus asks us in the moment to stretch it out, you know what we do? Oh, I've got a good one. I've still got a good hand. Let me put that one out there so everyone will think good of me. So I can still be the man in their eyes so I can still look like a leader in their eyes, so I can still like, look like a good mother or a good employer or employee. Most of us go, I, I'm afraid because I'm naked, so I hid. No, 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 no. This is the opportunity to say this is the hand I am going to stretch out today. We all have an opportunity of which hand we will put forward. Would you stand on your feet? Would you close your eyes and would you bow your head? I'm gonna ask you this question today and I don't want you to hesitate. I don't want you to have to think through, have to, if you know there is a withered part that you need to stretch out today. I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come up here. And you may be inside. What I want you to do is say, excuse me, I, I need to go up front, excuse me, because I am not gonna just put my good hand forward. Because see, when I do that, just go ahead, just come on up. You see, when I do that, what I'm saying is, is I'm prideful and I would rather go home the way I was than give you access. So just keep, I see you coming, just keep coming. Keep coming. Just say, I've got a withered hand. There are parts of my life I need to turn over. I've just got to turn this over. I've been in fear. I've been dealing with a situation. 
I, I need control. I've got this control thing. God, I, I want to let go of control. I want to let go of letting my mind run with things and my, my mind going crazy. God, it's causing me anxiety. If you're dealing with anxiety, you should be up here. If you've been dealing with depression, you should be up here. OCD, you should be up here. Eating disorders, you should be up here. Whatever you are wrestling, there's some men that need to be up here for pornography. We are not here to point a finger at you. We are here because we want you to stretch it out. David, can you go ahead and just start singing over the people? Lift your hands up like you're showing that you're stretching your hand. Jesus is saying you're healed. You're healed. Stretch it out today. Stretch it out today. Stretch it out today. Stretch it out. 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 You're a man of God. God's calling you higher. He's calling you higher. There's a lot of people you gotta lead. He said, stretch it out.
just such an amazing moment. God is healing right now. He's restoring right now. He's touching right now. He's trading things with you right now as you give whatever it is that you've been carrying or burdened by to the Lord. He's replacing that with joy. He's replacing that with peace. He's replacing that with love. He's replacing that with assurance. He's replacing that with faith. Can you receive that today? I said, can you receive that today? Come on, church. God is here. He's imparting right now. He's depositing right now. He's investing right now. God, I pray for your people. I thank you, Father, that you showed up today and you showed out today. I thank you, Father, for a very real pastor who's willing to share her heart, who's willing to share her story, who's willing to share her experiences to help other people heal. God, we ask that you bless our pastors. Thank you for their example, teaching us how to step out, teaching us how to be real and authentic and stretch out our withered hand. Because as long as we have it covered, as long as we hide it, God, you can't get to it. It's only in the faith of stretching it out, Father, that you can heal. It's only in the uncovering, God, that you can cover. So God, we receive all that you have to give to us today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.